Millennium Physician Group Radio, brought to you by Millennium Physician Group, your connection to a healthier life. Join us for a healthcare journey as we work together to achieve the best health outcome for you. Welcome to Millennium Physician Group Radio. I'm Michelle McCormick. Today, our conversation is about how patients may not always be heard when voicing their concerns about their health. Or what if a patient can't speak on behalf of themselves? We're going to learn a lot about organizing and maybe even negotiating our high medical bills as well. Mary Daniel, a board-certified patient advocate and the founder CEO of Claim Medic and the Daniel Advocacy Group, joins us today to help navigate the obstacles. But first, Millennium Physician Group is one of the largest physician groups in Florida with over 150 offices in the state. Right here in the Northeast Florida region, we have over 50 primary care providers. We have an office for you. Go to millenniumphysician.com. We also just opened our first walk-in medical center in Jacksonville. It's on Atlantic Boulevard near Hodges, and the center offers extended hours during the week and on Saturdays to help with your primary care and acute care needs. Millennium Physician Group is your connection to a healthier life. Join us right now for a healthcare journey as we work together to achieve the best health outcome for you. Well, according to MedlinePlus.gov, that's a website that I found while researching this interesting topic, a caregiver gives care to someone who needs help taking care of themselves. This person could be a child, an adult, or even someone with a disability or chronic illness. So we're going to really get into the weeds a little bit about being a caregiver with our host, with our guest today, rather, Mary Daniels. She is Daniel. She is a passionate, passionate person about taking care of individuals who need a voice. And I'm so excited to have you join the show today. So welcome, Mary. Um, give us a little bit of background about you. I am a patient advocate by trade. So um, I have a lot of experience as an individual, as a wife, as a sister, as a daughter of caregiving throughout my life. But right now, my main focus is caring for my husband. He is 67 years old. He was diagnosed at the age of 59 with Alzheimer's. Mm. And two years ago, I placed him in a memory care center here in Jacksonville. He really has done very, very well there. Um, it was an incredibly difficult decision for me to make. I had had him at home. I thought that was the best thing for him, and it was for many years. But as he started to decline, and I still am working, um, I, the challenges were just really, really huge. He's incredibly social by nature. He was a salesman. Um, by trade. And so he was around people and building relationships with people is what really um, brought him joy. And so after having it at home, having him at home with a caregiver, uh, a hired caregiver, um, when I would come home from work, he would be furious. He had really been locked in the home all day long. We had to put locks on the doors. He was exit seeking, as they call it. And so it became a real problem. And I started doing a lot of research about facilities, about um, what my options were. It was extremely scary. Um, it was extremely heartbreaking um, having to make that decision. So I did, after learning and really focusing in on the idea of his joy and the social aspect of his personality, um, I discovered that we as, as human beings need to be around other people. We need to feel we have worth and value. And sitting in front of the television all day long was not doing that for him. So I placed him two years ago. Yeah, so very interesting. You have a background in, in medicine, medical. I Tell do. us a little bit about that. I have spent the last 25 years uh, managing 
medical practices here in Jacksonville. My first job out of college with, was uh, was with Dr. Lewis Obi. Um, he I, I went to work in his billing department for a plastic for his in plastic surgery. You learn a lot when you're in the billing department of plastic surgery. Uh, you learn how to fight insurance companies, how to fight denials, which we'll get us in later when we start talking mm-hmm. about claim medic. But um, I have been with plastic surgeons for many many years, most of my career. The last ten I did spend with my brother-in-law. He's a pediatrician in Jacksonville, and he started a practice 24/7 pediatric kid care that is open 24 hours mm-hmm. a day. So we specialize in that for him. So I got a little primary care experience, which was really good for me to have and really understanding the, the system and the way the system works and how you can fight back when you feel like you're not being heard. So that all has been really kind of a part of getting me to where I am today, the true patient advocate role that I have. Without all of those background, without that background, I just wouldn't be able to be here. So, you know, Mary, I find it fascinating. I mean, what is a patient advocate? I mean, I have trouble navigating my bills and all that, and we'll get into that later in the show. And, and I, cause I found your website fascinating about, oh, maybe I do need help paying my medical bills. But, um, but as far as like the patient advocacy and especially in a COVID world right now where isolation was, was rampant a year ago, um, how did you find that to be your path? I, I knew that there was a need in the medical billing world, so I found an organization, the uh, uh, Alliance for Professional Health Advocates. It's a growing field, patient advocacy is, and it not only is billing advocates, which is what I serve professionally, but also in the world of navigation. So if you are uh, someone who has an elderly parent, but you don't live in the same city, you need an advocate who can go with them to the doctor, who can be with them, who can ask the questions that you can't ask. If you need somebody who just can help you get that second opinion or just navigate the system as a whole, and those of us on the inside certainly understand what it takes to get the right referrals, to speak to the people to get the answers, to not take no for an answer when you hit a brick wall in this system, because we just don't know it. Many of us just don't know it. So an advocate can be there as a partner to the patient or the patient's family to help them when they need it the most. Because I would think a lot of people just aren't designed to be a caregiver. You know, maybe they they have an active life, they have tons of children, whatever it may be, they're very busy at their job, but they have a family member that does require a caregiver this a good option for them? It is. And th- there, there is a differentiation between an advocate who is there to be their partner and to help them versus that hands-on caregiver. Generally speaking, the caregiver is, is really reserved for the person who is there to help them, to provide um, assistance to them, not only in advocating in the medical field, but in also in their day-to-day care. And that's where it can be truly over overwhelming because if you're doing both of those roles i mean it's very difficult for people to be able to work and care for their own families when they have family members that require such help yeah i agree and um but an advocate then is is kind of just making sure all the questions are answered and and everything exactly providing guidance so that you don't have to take on that responsibility too that's one of the things that i like about being an advocate in the medical billing world and that when people are sick or when people are going through medical issues, the last thing they want to do is deal with their medical bills or think about their medical bills. That can be overwhelming when they're trying to get well, when they're trying to care for their family and continue to work that many may have to do. All of those things can be overwhelming in and of themselves. Having to then bring on this new medical billing side that's incredibly complicated if you don't understand it and and you don't need to understand it. Why do you need to understand this in the depth that is necessary to, to be sure that everything is accurate when there are patient advocates out there that you can hire to do that work for you. Mary Daniel is a board certified patient advocate joining us today. 
Now, Mary, what about regular bills? What about your, your mortgage and your electric bills? How, how do we navigate those when we are needing care? They're actually, um, in, in the advocate world, there are people that do that personal finance as well. So we find a lot of those advocates work with widows, for example, who may have never paid the bills before, that all of a sudden they're now having to take on this responsibility and don't know where to go. So even in Jacksonville, there are advocates here in the personal finance world to help. And so that's why I say it's a fairly new field that you're seeing the needs being met by people who are professionals who know this business and know how to help others. Yeah, that, that's exciting. So you have a story that eventually led you to found a Facebook group. I do. So let's talk about that. When COVID came uh, last year, I was visiting Steve every day. Um, I would go to see him after work in the evenings. He was thriving at the memory care center. They had a seat for him at the front desk. He had a name badge. He greeted everybody that walked in the door. Uh, we, we call him the mayor of of the facility and so when he um he, he he just thrived he loved it and was getting that social aspect that he really really needed in his life so i went to see him on march the 11th as i normally do i go in the evenings i get him ready for bed we watch tv in bed just like we we used to do at home and i usually leave when he drifts off to sleep it's a wonderful routine that we both really enjoy um I is he aware that it's you he is aware that it's me. Um, he is not aware that there was COVID. He doesn't know about a virus. Okay. Somebody asked me the other day, how does he feel about getting vaccinated? I mean, he has no idea there's a virus. Okay. Um, so, which is, which he is blissfully happy, which is, you know, sometimes very admirable, you know, that I'm a little jealous that he doesn't know the world's on fire right, right now, right? right. But um, I went to see him on March 11th. They called me on March 12th and they said, you can't come back. So I immediately called the executive director of the facility and said, okay, this isn't going to work for me. What am I going to do? Can I get a job? Can I be a volunteer? And they said, let's just sit tight. Let's see what happens. We've got 15 days to slow the curve or, you know, we were right there. We all remember that initial, mm-hmm. um, that initial um, uh, two weeks where we just, the initial we hope. Was, yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? And um, weeks, the days turned to weeks and the weeks turned to months. And I knew that I had to do something. So I started to get very vocal here locally. I wanted to get to the governor. I needed to speak to the governor. I needed to tell him there's got to be another way. We tried window visits. Um, he cried. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was very difficult. He is, he's vocal. He can speak, but he doesn't, it, they call it word soup. He doesn't, I can't understand anything that he says. So there's no way to explain it to him. Um, and he just didn't understand why are you outside this window? So we did that twice. And I said, that's it on father's day last year. I said, I'm, I'm just not going to do this again. And, um, but I, but I had to find a way into him. So, um, out of the blue, uh, the facilities corporate office out of North Carolina called me, um, last August and said, I'm sorry, last June and said, uh, we've got a job if you want it. And I said, um, I'll take it. What is it? And they said, it's a dishwasher. It got you in the building. It got me in the building. So I took the job as a dishwasher. I started my first shift on July the 3rd. And um, Jeannie Blaylock here in Jacksonville took the story originally before I even got the job. She was telling the story of isolation. She truly started um, all of the news coverage um, that we've received. And I will be always grateful for her to Mm -hmm. listening to our story. Um, First Coast News. Yep. Yep. And... um, the story went, so I got the dishwasher job. She did a story on that as a follow-up and it went viral, mm-hmm. um, like really crazy viral, like every evening newscast, morning news show, um, Fox, CNN, NPR, Inside Edition, Extra. Uh, I did a great interview with Steve Harvey. Steve and I have always, my Steve and I have always been Family Feud. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, we watch Family Feud at his facility every night. So 
Um, it was um, even an article in People magazine. So truly it went viral. And I was starting to be contacted by people who were in the same boat as I was. So I started the Facebook group. It's called Caregivers for Compromise because isolation kills too. We are a year old and we uh, have over 14,000 members now. We have a page for every state because every state's rules are different. So it really has become quite the movement in, in being caregivers for compromise. We realize that you just can't throw the doors open. We realize that you can't just let us in. We want to go back to normal. We realize that COVID kills. But we also know that isolation kills, too. And so it really has become quite the movement in states. We have states that are doing remarkable work getting legislation in the states. Uh, for example, I mean, just here in Florida, Governor DeSantis finally did hear my story um, and, and appointed me to his task force for reopening long-term care facilities. Mm. Um, I'm, I did a um, press conference with him in last August. Um, the task force released our um, our findings the first of September, and he opened the back the doors back up to us as essential caregivers. And and it was a very happy time, happy er time, I think for for folks in your in your position who had the loved ones. My grandmother is in independent living, and we didn't see her for for several months. And you just don't know it's what's going on. And how are, did your husband Steve? Did he decline in his progress? Was he making progress prior to March twelfth? He, he lost 10 pounds in the first month alone. And I knew that he was declining. I could see it. Um, we would, every once in a while, they would do phone calls. We would do FaceTime. Again, very um, nonproductive since he's not able to have a conversation with me. But when I went into the facility the very first day, the light bulbs were all out in his room. His glasses were missing. His remote control was missing. His, his personal hygiene, his toenails, for example, I mean, they had not been touched in 114 days. That's mm. how long I was away. Mm. Those are the things that we do as family. And, and, I, and I truly believe the staff was doing everything in their power to care for him. Um, but they can't care for him the way that I care for him. And so I needed to be with him. And he needed to feel my touch and know my presence there as the way for him to feel loved. And I promised him on the day that he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's uh, eight years ago, I promised him that I would be with him every step of the way that he would never be alone, that I would hold his hand every single day. And I didn't get to do that for 114 days. Well, Mary, with that, we're going to take a quick break. Mary is a board-certified patient advocate, and we're going to learn more about maybe how Mary was feeling during this time. The conversation will continue. Millennium Physician Group Radio will return right after this. Welcome back to Millennium Physician Group Radio. I'm Michelle McCormick. Our conversation today is with Mary Daniel. She is a uh, passionate, passionate person about advocating, advocating for patients uh, who, who need help and who want help. And it's just very fascinating. Mary was just telling us in the last segment about her husband, Steve, who uh, was in assisted memory care mm -hmm. during COVID. And, um, and I want to pick it back up from there and then touch a little bit more on the Facebook page too, Mary. Um, how did you feel during this isolation? I mean, we know they, the, the people we love were isolated, but you know, we were in our own isolation as well. How did that make you feel that you couldn't continue that routine with your husband? It was extremely difficult. I was very worried about him. Um, my focus really, and it's interesting because it was, you know, I guess it was a way for me to get through that period um, in that my focus was 100% on him. It was very sad, um, frustrating. It was a feeling of hopelessness. 
um, of helplessness. When I was trying to get to the governor, and so many people felt this of letter after letter after email after email, and obviously, you know, they were overwhelmed. I mean, this was new to all of us. But just the feeling that nobody's listening, that no one cares about this, was incredibly heartbreaking um, because you just didn't know how is this going to end. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that it, certainly with Alzheimer's patients, Steve knew me. He knows me now, thank goodness. And he knew me when I knocked on that door and walked in his, into his room on July 3rd after 114 days. The first thing he said when he turned around was Mary. And I knew that I had gotten back to him in time because my fear was that I was going to miss this window of opportunity while he knew me. That what was I really, what were we saving him from? I mean, he's going to decline. Every day is better than the next day. So I was missing this window where he knew me and knew my love and wanted to be with me. And was I going to get back too late so that he didn't know me, Mm -hmm. so that I had missed these best days? And that was really the motivation for my fight. Yeah, and this is a patient that you couldn't even have a conversation with on the phone. No, I couldn't explain to him why I wasn't there, what was happening. He does not know that I was a dishwasher to Mm -hmm. this day. He does not have the cognitive ability to understand that I wash dishes. So I don't even get credit for that. You know, (laughs) So talk about that a little bit. What was it like uh, a woman... you know, retirement age, if you will, uh, going in and and being a dishwasher for love. It was all for love. And I was going to be the very best dishwasher ever. I have such a great um, respect for the workers in these facilities. And I didn't want anyone to think that I was coming in there as, you know, as a a stunt um, for for any of this. I was there to do the job that they paid me to do. And and I did that. And it was it was hard work. I tell people it wasn't the dishwashing that bothered me. It was the mopping the Mm. entire kitchen floor Mm -hmm. every evening. But it was it was worth it because it not only did it get me in, it brought awareness to this issue. And that's really the most important thing. People look at it in the viral story has been about this love story but it really for me it's been about showing the world that there are people inside of here these are real people and we were hearing so many stories from family members who were saying to their loved ones through the window what did I do why am I being punished Mm. I mean it's just truly heartbreaking at the millions of people that were isolated and who actually did die alone because of this and so part of our work has really shifted now that most most of us are back in is to how do we keep this from ever happening again agreed agreed so back to the Facebook page Tell us again, what's the name of the group? It's Caregivers for Compromise because Isolation Kills Two. That's our national group. We do have a Florida Caregivers for Compromise group also that just concentrates on what's happening in Florida, the laws, the regulations, that sort of thing for our state independently. And it gives people a platform, a little bit of of conversation with people who are going through the same thing. Um, Are there, are there, how often is there a post or, or is this like an interactive? It, it, it is interactive and it really serves two purposes. One is to have a support forum for other people who can express what's happening to their loved one with people who understand. The second is an advocacy part of this. This is about us joining forces together to do things together to for change, for new laws, for new attention to this story, to everyone's story. We've done at the one year anniversary mark, for example, we did a traveling sign display that moved from Jacksonville to Tallahassee to Orlando to West Palm Beach that all of our members got involved in so that we could all show everybody in the state we're still here um, we still believe that isolation kills too and we need to work moving on and, and we are doing that now with new federal legislation to be sure that this doesn't happen again with a new federal bill all right Mary sounds great well coming up next we're going to continue our conversation with Mary Daniel about how she can help you organize audit and negotiate medical bills looking forward to this one mary all right our conversation will continue millennium physician group radio will return right after this
Welcome back to Millennium Physician Group Radio. I'm Michelle McCormick. Today, our conversation has been about patients that might not always be heard when voicing their concerns about their health or if a patient can't speak on behalf of themselves. We learned a lot about that with Mary in the first part of our show today. But now we're going to talk more about organizing and maybe even negotiating our high medical bills through Mary. And she's the founder and CEO of Claim Medic and the Daniel Advocacy Group. She joins us today to help us with these obstacles. So Mary, um, the first part of the show, we spent a lot of time talking about um, your husband and, and being that patient advocate. Now, what about our medical bills? They're, they're so confusing. I have, I have a I had knee surgery back in the fall uh, and I have two insurance. So I have a primary and a secondary and it just was this huge hot mess and I could never get the right hand and the left hand to talk and really dive and, and bill me properly to the point where I was like, just, I'm just going to pay it. And my husband was like, why didn't you just do it through a, a payment plan? Or, and why didn't you call the insurance company? I'm like, I was so very frustrated. I just paid the bill. That happens all the time. <laughs> I can't imagine I'm the only one. You are not the only one. <laughs> all right, tell us a little bit about Claim Medic. I founded Claim Medic um, when I knew that I actually had to come home with Steve. I needed to do something, get out of an office every single day. And so I, I knew there was a need. Being in the billing departments and running billing departments for medical offices, I know that that there are a lot of people out there who don't know what they're doing that are working for doctors and working for hospitals and working for other facilities that just don't know what they're doing, unfortunately. And so you're going to get a bill. Everybody gets a bill they don't owe. So I decided that I would start Claim Medic. Um, It really came after I got a bill from the Mayo Clinic. Steve got a bill from the Mayo Clinic for $3,000 that they said that the provider was out of network. Well, everybody in Mayo was in network. So that wasn't my problem. That was the Mayo Mayo Clinic's network. And so I, or or problem. So I, I started talking to him and I finally, took me forever, but I got them to write the bill off as they should have. And I realized there are other people out there who don't know the system like I know the system and won't fight like that. So so Claim Medic was born. We are a company that we cover all the gamut of the frustrating medical bills. We handle, for example, ongoing claims advocacy, we call it. When you have, um, maybe you're getting cancer treatments over a six-month period of time, over a year period of time, you're trying to get well. You're trying to focus on taking care of your family and being as normal as you can. You do not want to deal with that stack of medical bills that's piling up in the corner. I know they're sitting there and I know everybody says, okay, you know what, on Saturday, I'm going to pull them out. I'm going to put them in front of me. I'm going to do it today. And then they, they do it. And then they say, no, not today. And they put it back over there in that corner. We can do that for you. We can audit them. We can review them. We can get them to refile it. We can get all of it done correctly and say, yep, you know what? This is good to pay. You're all set. So we can do that on an ongoing basis, or we can do it in a situation like yours. Let me see those bills. I want to see what you're getting. I want to see what the insurance paid, who paid what, when did they pay, and did they pay correctly? And we will handle that coordination of benefits so that you don't have to do that. We get paid basically on a percentage of the savings that we get you. So if I don't get you any savings, you generally don't pay me anything. So there's nothing to lose by by working with, with an advocate um, and everything to gain and that being sure, not only is it just because the money, we don't want to pay money we don't owe, but it's the principle of the matter that this is so confusing and so frustrating that the system is almost set up so that we do exactly like you did and pay the bill out of frustration instead of instead of investing more time and effort into it. Yeah, I um, I feel you. And, and I, w- I, I would love to review my bills with you. Uh, my daughter just had deviated septum surgery. So it's like, are we paying for stuff uh, that we don't even need? 
to be paying for. Right. And that falls back into my old plastic surgery days, right? Where you learned early on a claim like that's probably going to get denied because they're going to tell you that it's cosmetic, especially if you went to a plastic surgeon to have it done. No, we're going to, and I think it just works that they just deny it and then just hope that, you know, you never go back. You never file an appeal. I mean, it really is a game, unfortunately, but, but you've got to know how to play the game. And that's part of it. I learned that very early on in my career. If it's medically necessary, it's medically necessary and they need to pay the claim. So what are we going to have to do to make that happen? Mm -hmm. So, Part of, of of that is being billed for things that we don't know. Um, part of the question also is a deductible. I mean, how do you work around the deductible? I felt like in 2020, my, my daughter had gallbladder surgery. I had knee surgery. You know, um, my husband was hospitalized for COVID. How did we not meet our deductible? And that's a very good question. And that's exactly what we would do. We would audit all of that to see what is going on here. Now, I get calls from people all the time. One of the things I try to, to preach is know your benefits, know how they work. I know that it's confusing. I know it's frustrating. But I get calls from people who say, I got a bill from, from you know, my, my gallbladder surgery for $8,000. And I think that's outrageous. I'm not paying the $8,000. And I say, what's your deductible? And he says, $8,000. Well, okay, I can't, I can't help you. Right, right. I mean, my job is to right wrongs. You know, the deductible is the deductible. That's the deal. We sign up for that deal. So we need to understand what that means when we're making that choice so that you're not at the position where you say, well, I'm not paying this $8,000. That's the deal. So that's one of the things we try to do is to be sure that we educate everybody. And we really push people to know their benefits. You don't have to know them in depth, but just learn a little bit so that you are an educated consumer. Yeah. And um, well, so Medicare open enrollment is coming up in the fall. Uh, Do you get a lot of questions about Medicare and how to navigate that tricky system? We do. And that's one of the services that we offer is actually helping people go through what their options are. It's really a shame the way that the system is set up right now, especially for, for elders who may not understand this process at all. I mean, most, most, no one understands the process. Quite honestly, I've been doing it for many years and I really don't understand the process. So, um, but to, to expect people, you know, my father-in-law just passed away. He was 89 years old to expect him in the later years of his life to navigate this, it's just not realistic and it's really unfair. So I, you know, that's one of the reasons, I mean, I've been handling his medical bills for the last 25 years. So um, it's one of the reasons that I really truly saw a need. We do help navigate the system so that people can understand the difference between a Medicare Advantage plan and a prescription drug plan and all the different plans that are offered in the supplemental um, world. That's something that we help people with as well. Yeah, it gets really confusing. Mary Daniel is the founder and CEO of Claim Medic. So tell us more about your website, how we can find you um, and what what what's like the number one thing people come to you for? Um, the, really a bill, an unexpected bill. We, I just, I just managed one last week where we had somebody who went to an in-network emergency room and um, they got a bill from an out-of-network emergency room doctor. Mm-hmm. Okay. There are laws, balance billing laws, surprise billing laws that that provider can't do that. If they're in, I did everything right. I went to the right ER. I went to, and just because you choose not to participate, you can't punish me for that. So we got that bill written off. Um, they ended up paying $54 instead of like $776. Huge savings. A huge savings. So that's really what we see most common. We do see a lot though of people uninsured. I mean, there are people that are uninsured that all have a heart attack and need open heart surgery and they have the, a $250,000 medical <laughs> bill. We are able to negotiate those down significantly. I tell people that's retail. 
nobody pays retail in the medical world. Are you able to help them set up a payment plan too, if that is an option? Absolutely, but it's gonna be on a much reduced rate, much reduced rate. We're able to determine what the hospital's normal average rate of pay, how much, what is the percentage of their retail charges that they collect. So we're able to negotiate down to that price to make it a lot more reasonable. And then if they need to put on put it on a payment plan, we can do that too. Okay, so wh- what do you think is one of the most complicated things that you have handled? I think that's really it because if you start getting um, these large n- bills and you're getting them from a lot of different people, you're getting them from an anesthesiologist and from the radiologist and from the labs and uh, all of these different bills, the ambulance company, um, ambulances are, are, are an issue all on their own. So you're getting all of these bills and it becomes, it's overwhelming. And I, what I tell people when I'm negotiating, when I tell the hospitals when I'm negotiating is, look, if we don't work this out, they're going to claim, they're going to file bankruptcy. Because there's no way they're going to get out from underneath all of these bills for this one episode. So let's work it out so that you get paid what you normally get paid. And then everybody is better for that. We want you to get paid. Nobody's trying to run out on any bill. But that's what's going to happen when people are faced with hundreds of thousand dollars of bills. And that's where we we help so much. I mean, that's when it's really fun to do this and be able to relieve that pressure and that stress from somebody who's already trying to, you know, recover from Mm -hmm. a heart attack, for example. You get these bills and I tell, you know, you're going to have another heart attack when you start getting all of these bills. So that's that's the beauty of this business is that you really feel that it's so incredibly rewarding to help people um, when they really need it the most. Yeah, I agree. I think that um, that that the help side must be a huge relief for that patient and their family to be able to say thank you, Mary and, and claim medic for really making it possible for us to continue our life without having to worry about this overhead now for the rest of their lives. I mean, somebody thinking that they're going to have to pay $250,000 for the rest of their life when no one pays that amount. That's the thing. If everybody paid that amount, it would be one thing, but no one pays that amount. So being able to help them put this behind them and truly heal from it is incredibly rewarding. So Mary, how do how do folks get in touch with you? Claimmedic.com, C-L-A-I-M-M-E-D-I-C.com is our website um, or anywhere on the, uh, with our Facebook page. You can message me on Facebook at the Caregivers for Compromise um, to find me in that world as well. I'm now doing um, the company. I am um, CEO. However, my wonderful staff has really taken over a lot of that. I'm there part time as I'm really focusing on these other advocacy, but I live in both worlds. So I'm more than happy to talk to anybody anytime. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. And uh, it's great that, that you do have a staff of people who are willing to sit on the phone with the insurance companies and really hammer this out for folks. So and they're advocates too. Absolutely. All of our, all of our team are board certified patient advocates and they are um, truly committed as much as I am to help people when they have these issues. Well, is there anything on the site that we should, where we should start anything specifically that we need to look at to get some answers? I think it really starts with identifying what is your particular need. And you know that everybody that calls, I start the very same way. I say, tell me what's going on. Because everybody has a different story of how did I get here? I had a heart attack and went by ambulance. I was in a car accident. I had planned surgery and they didn't tell me that the anesthesiologist was out of network. All of those kinds of things. It's all different for every single person. That's part of the fun as well, that it's a different variety of, of case. They're all not uh, alike in most of the time. So it's, it's always a puzzle. I mean, I tell our staff that we have to get all the pieces of the puzzle and then we come together to decide, all right, what is the number one solution? What is our strategy? 
Um, and we normally actually do that one, two, three, four. We're going to start here. Then we're going to go to this, to this, to this. And uh, we don't give up easily. And we have a huge success rate. And you can see that on the website. We have a lot of testimonials on the website where we've been able to help a lot of people. Good. And one, one final question is how are the, the hospital people or whoever you're dealing with not on the same page? I mean, it's like I talked when I had my issue uh, with my knee surgery bill. Every time I got a bill, I called and I and I recorded who I talked to. And I said, I said, I have talked to Joseph or Jane or whoever it was in the past. And it should be noted in my file that you guys are trying to work on the two insurance. I mean, it finally got to the point, the very final one, when they sent me to collections, I was I was. Right. horrified. I, I called them and I said, I last spoke to blah, blah, blah. And this person was doing that. Oh, well, we never got a response from your secondary or whoever it was. And I'm like, you guys got to talk. I mean, how am I sent to collection over something that wasn't ever worked on? I need to speak to a supervisor. <laughs> Those are our favorite words. I'm sorry. I'm going to need to speak to a supervisor because there are so many different people in a phone bank that answer these calls that you've just got not in. There's no one. And I shouldn't say no one. There's most people are just not invested enough in being sure that the problem gets solved. A supervisor. I mean, and we do, we've got to go up the chain of command and say, I really need to speak to the problem solver here. I need somebody who can say, wow, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. Why don't we get this fixed? So everybody works out. Everything works out for this individual, for our customer. Yeah. So that's our favorite words. Yeah. Speak to a supervisor, please. And you know, uh, I, I was thankful I had an HSA, you know, that, that I was able to put, I'm like, okay, I have two payments for you. I mean, at that point, like I totally threw in the towel. And that's frustrating for us because we know that happens so many times. It just gets too much of, it's not worth it anymore. I can't do this anymore. I'm sorry. I'm tired of worrying. I'm tired of worrying about it. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to pay it even though I don't owe it. And what a shame that is. It is. You it know? absolutely is. Well, th- thank you for what you do. Mary Daniel, a very passionate person about uh, patient advocacy, as well as the founder CEO of Claim Medic. When we come back, we are going to uh, wrap up with Mary and we're going to take away some top three takeaways. So start thinking about that. What the biggest things we need to leave with today. The conversation will continue. Millennium Physician Group Radio will return right after this. Welcome back to Millennium Physician Group Radio. I'm Michelle McCormick. Our conversation today has been with Mary Daniel, a very passionate patient advocate and CEO of ClaimMedic.com. And we just learned so much. Uh, I learned so much uh, not to give up <laughs> and to bring you my bills next time. Uh, so Mary, give us, give us kind of what we should leave with today after this really great conversation. I think my most important message that I try to get across to everybody, whether it's in my the Claim Medic world or the Caregivers for Compromise world, is... I want people to be empowered to boldly advocate for themselves, for their loved ones. Um, we only get one chance at this. And I and I feel very strongly, certainly in the caregiving world, that um, we need to advocate for our loved ones so that when this is over, caregiving is a temporary job. Uh, for most of us, now some, some temporary is longer than other temporary, but it's still a temporary job. And, and when this is over, when Steve, when Steve has, has died, which is what is going to happen at the end of this road, I want to be sure that I can look back with no regrets. I want to be able to carry that. That's a gift to me through all of this that I know um, it gets me emotional just thinking about it because I want to 
walk the rest of my life knowing that I was there for him when I need when he needed me. And I know sometimes that's hard. I know the road is difficult, but I I really want to empower people to do it because the gift at the end is so incredibly powerful to you and the rest of your family that it that it's worth it. Well, I think that is uh, incredibly emotional and uh, and very powerful. So um, I thank you for that, Mary. What else? Uh, I think probably the next one is in the, in the, in the world of medical billing. Cause that's my second life. I, I truly believe, um, in education and learning a little bit and knowing a little bit about what you've got, what you, what the policy is that you carry with us. It can be there to help you. And it generally is. I, I know a lot of people complain about it and feel like they make these payments every month. Um, and it can be there in, in an emergency when you need it, but you need to know a little bit about it. And you also need to know that there are people out there that can help you when you don't want to know a little bit about it, when you want to share that with somebody else. And how do we find you? I can be found at claimmedic.com or I can also be found my, my personal website for my work uh, for the Daniel Advocacy Group, which is what I'm doing with the caregiver side is marysdaniel.com. I um, have had a lot of opportunity now because of the caregiver role and the viral um, story to do some speaking. So I'm super excited to get out there and share that message of empowerment, of advocating for your loved one. So I'm out there. I think, it, you know, I tell people sometimes to Google woman takes job as dishwasher and you can't miss me. I'm right there. <laughs> That's a great story. What is uh, the next speaking engagement you have coming up? I am going to be in Nashville, Tennessee, coming up very soon um, for a, an actual, I'm doing some work. I'm uh, Interestingly enough, the facility side, um, I'm doing some work for them. I'm, I'm working with a nonprofit called Careful Decisions um, in the world of making assisted living better. So I, I get to not only be a voice for the residents um, out to the world and to the to the government to help us get in, but also to the facility side and speaking to the industry to share some of the insight that I've learned over the last year. So did you uh, resign from your dishwasher job? I did. On the day, September 1st, I told the governor at our last news conference where he in, where he announced the essential caregiver designation. I said, I just want to make it very clear that I'm putting in my two weeks notice today. Yes. <laughs> well, Mary, thank you for your uh, in inspiring story about your husband, Steve, and, and your role in, in being a loving, loving caregiver for him. So thank you for sharing that. And Claim Medic, thank you for uh, inspiring me to do a little more digging into my medical bills <laughs> in the future. So uh, thank you, Mary Daniel, for joining us today. And the conversation will continue next time on Millennium Physician Group Radio. Your healthcare journey is important to us. And our goal at Millennium Physician Group is to work together to achieve the best health outcome for you. And that always starts with seeing your primary care provider. See our website for a full list of offices and providers at Millennium Physician. In good health, I'm Michelle McCormick. So long for now.